Welcome to the Command Post Podcast, powered by First Do. I'm your host, Tom Lewis, First Do's Director of Training. I am pleased to welcome fire service legend Dennis Compton to the podcast today. With 53 years in the fire service, Dennis Compton was the fire chief in Mesa, Arizona for six years and assistant fire chief in Phoenix, where he served for 28 years. Chief Compton is the past president of the board of the International Fire Service Training Association, IFSTA, and served as chairman of the Congressional Fire Services Institute National Advisory Council. He served as the chairman of the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation Board of Directors and the secretary of the International Public Safety Data Institute Board of Directors. In 2011, Chief Compton was inducted into the National Fire Heritage Center Hall of Legends, Legacies, and Leaders. And in 2018, he was inducted into the Firehouse Legends and Icons National Hall of Fame. Dennis is also a charter inductee into the Arizona Fire Service Hall of Fame. I'm very grateful to have Chief Dennis Compton on the podcast today. Let's get this started. Ah, Chief Dennis Compton, thank you for coming on the Command Post podcast today. Hey, you're welcome, Tom. It's good to be here, and thanks for asking me. Well, you know, I have nothing but great respect for you. You're a Brunacini-class leader in the fire service. There's no doubt about that. I know you'd spent, what, 20, 27 years with Phoenix Fire and then five as the chief of Mesa? Pretty close. Yeah, a little more than both, but that's close enough. Okay, close enough. So uh, there's no doubt that uh, you're a legend in our industry. Um and you've contributed so much, and you still continue to contribute. What uh, what have you been up to lately? Gosh, it's been a busy time. I'll tell you what. Uh, some of what I've been up to lately is dealing with some stuff here at home with family. We've had several family events here the last few weeks, the last month or so, and Very trying nice. to keep up with them, and then planning our big old Christmas party, too, for our family. We do that every year the weekend before Christmas and uh, it gets a 60 or 70 people there. So Sharon and I host that every year. So we're looking forward to that. And Sounds then wonderful. Up. Oh, it will be. It always is. There's lots of new babies this year too. So, oh, wonderful. But, uh, no, we, uh, from a standpoint of work, you know, I, I, uh, I've been preparing to speak at a couple of uh, conferences that are coming up soon. One in November, uh, the, the uh, VCOS conference, and then okay. in January, I'm doing the keynote also at uh, uh, at the Fire Department Safety Officers Association, the Firefighter Health and Safety Conference that they put on in Florida each year. So, uh, so I've been getting ready for that and uh, working on some uh, other things. I've been uh, monitoring and paying a lot of attention to the summit this past week uh, that right. the United States Fire Administration put on. Yes. And I'll tell you what, if if, if uh, the people watching this have not did not have an opportunity to participate in that that day online, uh, they can go to the United States Fire Administration website and uh, and view the, that program. It's it's long. It's about five hours long. But I'll tell you okay. what, that is they did a fantastic job. That the, mm. they have a great mix of of speakers, panelists. Right from uh, uh, from some current leaders, but mostly people who are going to be around for a while, and uh, and who are all who lead in various aspects of the fire service, and talking about the future and and, and what it looks like for us and some of the challenges ahead. But uh, the administrator, Dr. Lori Moore Merrill, just did a super job. 
And they actually co-hosted it with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Uh, so together, okay. the two staffs uh, put this thing on, and they just did a super job with it. Absolutely <laughs> super job. That's great. That's great to hear. So you said it's five hours, and it's it's on their uh, it's on the United States Fire Administration's website. If anyone wanted to go and uh, and view it again, yeah. And there's five panels that were that were uh, that were presented, and each of okay. the panels dealt with a different uh, uh, aspect of the future. Uh, so uh, you know everything from research to to, to the challenges in, in structural firefighting that were experienced as a loss of life. Uh, but the fire prevention codes, nearly it, it's it's all it's the five major areas of concern that 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 the fire administration feels that we should focus on, and it's excellent. I'm telling you, they did a great job with it. I was working, and I am sad that I had missed it. It was uh, just deep into work here, but I think I'll try to t- I'm going to try to check it out. Yeah, you should. Honestly, it's uh, it's it's really good. I mean, it's. Uh, it's probably the best look at uh, the future I've seen. Uh, mm, nice. Last several years. Very good. So you mentioned the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Are you still active with them? Uh, you know, I, I am still uh, connected to them. Let me say connected. that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, uh, mm-hmm. uh, I stepped down as their chair after uh, more, much, much more than a decade of being the chairman of the board of that uh, organization. But That long. Wow. But it, uh, matter of fact, it was 12 years as chairman, and uh, and I enjoyed every day of it. Uh, it's a it's a, it's a job that comes with uh, significant uh, challenges because of the you know the kind of the subject matter that you're dealing with every day, day in and day out, and the and the, but it comes with so much reward uh, by helping the firefighters and the families. Uh, uh, deal with their grief and and help them move forward as an organization. So that's uh, it, it was it was one of the most rewarding things I think I've ever been involved in. Mm, and that's a great. With, and working with Ron Sarnicky, who's the executive director there, it was just a joy. You know, he's the past chief of the Prince George's County uh, Fire and Rescue Department, and uh, we've known each other a long time. Clay's uh, a class guy, also, and. Uh... That uh, that organization is um, pretty amazing. I remember being an instructor for the uh, um, Courage to Be Safe. Everyone goes home. Um, the twelve. Well, this is dating me, but the twelve firefighter life safety initiatives. Yeah, and that's not dating you, believe it or not. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> know if you remember or not, but I facilitated that very first summit where we developed those twelve. Yeah, and uh, and it was just before I took over his chair. So, uh, so, so no, it's not dating you at all because they've had three summits since and they've updated each and every one of those 12 or validated it. So it's, uh, it's still alive and well. They just finished one, in fact, in San Antonio. Uh, I saw that. And uh, I remember being, that was when I was on the department, um, I made a big push with the Everyone Goes Home and, and getting that out there in the, the, the curriculum. Those, those initiatives just to raise at the very least to raise awareness and make it part of our organizational culture. I've never worked with a better group of people. Uh, I mean, I've worked with people just as good at what they did, but, but the foundation is just a wonderful group of people, the board, the staff, uh, the volunteers, 
uh, it's just a, a wonderful group of people. It's kind of, a, in some ways, with a completely different mission. You know, I've been involved with IFSTA, for, gosh, for 45 years. I've been oh, wow. IFSTA, and I was on their board for 39 years. Uh, and I actually just stepped away from their board in July. Uh, I thought it was probably a good idea to give somebody else a chance to do that, which essentially is the same reason that I that I moved off of uh, the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation board. So is what? The, so, so what? What? Let me ask you this. I know we're going to get into some other things here in a little bit, but what? What's? What propelled you to be so involved? And where did you get the energy to do that amidst all the other things that you're doing? How, how did you do it? I mean, one, what propelled you to get there? And then how did you maintain that? Well, I think what propelled, I've always been very attracted to the fire service. Okay. I, I, uh, I was not one of those guys that always wanted to be a firefighter. Right. Uh, in fact, I got out of the army in, in 1969 and I just stumbled into a firefighter's job, honestly. So, uh, but, but I met people and, uh, people who were, who were really, I was attracted to, uh, professionally, but, but if you look at who my mentors were back then, most of them were quite a bit older than me. Sure. Uh, you know, by the, by the time I, I went through my firefighting days, uh, just like any other firefighter goes through their days. I, you know, I rode the tailboard for several years. I was an engineer for a while. I was a captain. I was a chief in all the ranks. Uh, but, it, but when I, it, it, it kind of hit me, believe it or not, it was in 1976 and I attended a class, a supervisory training class. In fact, the Carl Holmes, who was, a, who was the uh, assistant chief in Oklahoma city, Oklahoma, uh, and Harold Mace, who was the director of IFSTA were putting on. And, uh, and it was enlightening to say the least. It was a wonderful supervisory class. And I really kind of hit it off with those guys. And, uh, and then I, and then chief Bernasini became the fire chief in, in, uh, Phoenix in 1978. And, uh, and after that, he and I got, got to be close, uh, you know, we'd hardly even knew each other before that. We had met each other and talked and stuff, but, but, uh, but, but we actually got to know each other better when I was the training chief at Phoenix. Uh, and, and he was a tremendous impact on me. I can't even put it into words. Oh, I know. Um, well, it is an impact on you had the good fortune to be close to him for many, many years. I mean, those of us that were admired him and looked at him as a mentor from afar, I still have his essentials of fire to customer service card. And uh, Bruno's, you know, life, the life according to Bruno, the, his sayings on my, uh, on my desk. Yeah. And he, uh, he impacted a lot of people. And I was, I was his assistant chief, in fact, for 15 years. Uh, so I had, you know, just tremendous opportunities to interact with him every day. Um, and then, so, so it's people like Carl Holmes, Harold Mace, uh, Alan Brunestini, uh, and I could go on and on with the people that, uh, you know, Paul Becker, uh, the people who tr truly took an interest in me, Claude West, I mean, people who truly took an interest in me. And the reason I bring that up is because they, mm. encouraged, they encouraged me and they helped me take advantage of opportunities. They didn't give me any, but they kept me posted on what might be available to me uh, and encouraged me. And That's uh, important. Boy, that's... yeah. 
that's key. That's a key leadership role because you hear that a lot. How, how that encouragement, what a, an incredible difference. The word, word of kindness, word of encouragement keeps you going. That keeps you, you know, propels you forward. Yeah, I'm sure they're still doing that today to some extent. But, but when someone puts their arm around you that you admire and, uh, and says, hey, you know, you ought to look at this. The, that's pretty motivating. That's yeah. extremely motivating. And uh, so, so, you know, I don't attribute it all to, to just me. <laughs> I mean, I, people gave me opportunities. They showed me the way. And I have done, I did what I could do to, to, to contribute. And that's really the long and the short of it. And I still do. Uh, oh, yes, you do. I don't chair any organizations anymore. You know, I, I, uh, I've decided that's someone else's responsibility. Uh, someone younger than me and uh, who has, uh, who ought to get the same opportunities I got when I was coming up through those systems. Uh, but, but whether it was the Home Safety Council, IFSTA, uh, uh, the Congressional Fire Services Institute, the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, or any of the other boards that I've chaired, uh, those were opportunities for me to learn and grow and contribute. And I just truly believe that it was that I need to give other people that those opportunities. I think leading is an important part of leading. Uh, Interesting. Explain. You know, I, I know where you're going, but yeah, expound on that. Well, I've, uh, I've kind of guided myself in my career around five words with regards to this issue that we're talking about right now. And, uh, and they are learn at every opportunity, love, and hold the things that you, you love in your life and cherish them. Labor. Notice there's no problem with working hard. Uh, it's good for you. Right. Laugh. Laugh. Holy cow, have a sense of humor. You know, there's, there's, there is a tomorrow in all this, thank God. And the last one is leave. So each one starts with an L, but it's learn, love, labor, laugh, and leave. And leaving is important. And the way you do it is even more important. And uh, because it so affects an organization if you're, if you're in a particular leadership position in that organization. But it affects you no matter what your position is. Is it, is it uh, what a shame it is when somebody is part of an organization for the majority of their adult work life. And in the very end, for some reason, them and the organization gets disjointed somehow. The, the person might get unhappy with the organization. They've just been through a lot of change. They've been through a lot of issues and they're, and they're just not happy anymore. Uh, and, and they leave sometimes that way. You've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, uh, yes. And what a shame it is, you know, for everybody. Uh, but when you're a senior leader in the organization and you leave the organization kind of hanging, when you leave because of a lack of planning or succession uh, guidance or, or, or uh, you know, the fact that you don't leave, <clears throat> in other words, you leave, but you don't leave. Uh, right. No, you kind of hang on in one way or another. And sometimes in ways that aren't all that positive. Right. Um, leaving is very important. And, 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 and setting yourself up for that and setting the organization up for that is, is critical. And, and 
you know, I had a deal. I, I used to uh, run a fire science program. I was the director of fire science, department chair, in fact, at, at a college here in Phoenix for 20 years and uh, in my spare time. And <laughs> spare time. Yeah, it was a, and it grew from when I first took it over in 1979. Uh, it grew. Uh, it was there were 50 students total and when i left it was the largest uh, uh occupational program in the in the arizona community college system and it had just under a thousand students amazing it was amazing it was a wonderful deal but i brought this guy on uh to, and and had this view of him being my replacement there you know and uh and after about seven or eight years, he started talking to me about leaving him leaving. And I thought, what the heck am I doing? You know, I'm about to outlive my replacement here. <laughs> 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 so, so, uh, so it dawned on me that, that all the succession planning in the world is no good if you don't leave. <laughs> so, so. Right. Oh, well. That's uh that hits home right now. I can tell you that. But, uh, that's, and, and you know what, you know, you could almost have a sixth one in there called legacy. Yeah, I agree with you, but you don't get to decide your legacy. True. I, I don't think anyway, that's a personal opinion. But it's something you, but it's something you, 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 you're right. You don't get to decide it, but you think about in your actions throughout what you're leaving behind, right? What that, it kind of goes hand in hand with, with leaving. I think it's, it's, it's what you leave behind and what you, how you made something better than you found it. Right. And you clearly yeah. done that in so many arenas. Yeah. And, and, and I think doing things in a way and behaving in a way performing in a way, treating people in a way that, uh, that, that, that they will view your legacy and write your legacy for you. Uh, they were the recipients of your contributions mm -hmm. one way or another. They write your legacy, whether it was a positive one or not. <laughs> and again, we've seen that. Uh, so, uh, so I agree, legacy is a good one. But, uh, but leaving is important, and and, uh, and I don't, and I and I say that like it's easy. It's not easy. Oh no, it's Every not. Every time I've done it, it has hurt. And uh, and. Uh, and it has. And sometimes it took longer to get over than other times. Yes, like that. I I'm relating to that very much, mm -hmm. very much. Understand that completely. Yeah. What? Um, going back to the National Fall Fire National Fallen Firefighters Foundation and uh, the CFSI Congressional Fire Services Institute. What? What? What advice would you give to the broader fire service community? Um, as far as getting involved with either of those organizations. I mean, why are they important to get involved in? I think is probably the first better question to go out with. And then how do they, how do they get involved? How, how, how can they get involved and in, in what ways would you recommend, especially, you know, geographically just, you know, dispersed. Let me answer your question, but add ifs to, ifs to it as well. Okay. Sure. You know, if, if you have interest in serving beyond your local organization, then then I think looking around at what your opportunities might be is important. Uh, 
being being involved in state organizations, uh, state fire chiefs, state firefighters, state fire uh, fire prevention groups, state public education groups, uh, for 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 the Congressional Fire Services Institute, that's kind of a start. And the and the other is with them is to is to uh, uh, support them. You know, there's an associates club membership for as little as twenty five dollars, where you can be a part of the Congressional Fire Services Institute. You can come to their events, <clears throat> no matter where you live. You can actually come to an event there if you want to. Okay, good. You can, you can learn an awful lot from them. But the people who make up the Congressional Fire Service Institute leadership are, are on a group called the National Advisory Committee to the Institute, okay? okay? And they are membership organizations. There aren't any fire departments there. They're, they're like the IFC and the IFF and IFSTA and, and the NFFF and, and uh, you know, the sprinkler group and the groups and uh, the National Fire Sprinkler Association, the American Fire Sprinkler Association, the, the, the NFPA, the, all of them, there were 40 of them <laughs> about. Wow, 40, okay, wow. Under 40 that make up this National Advisory Group. But for you to be on the National Advisory Committee, you got to be selected by one of those organizations to represent them there. Okay, so getting involved in in those in those other organizations becomes critical to you if you want to be a part of the CFSI leadership. Yeah. Okay. But like anything else, getting involved early, associates club, come to the events, get to know people, network with people, you know, seek mentors with people. You know that will. Guide open, you. open doors. Yeah, guide you to where you need to be. Um, good. With the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, it's another example of if you have an interest in that area, uh, they have so many opportunities. Just like you said that you you taught in the Courage to Be Safe program years ago. Okay, years ago. Yep. Yeah. Any others can do that <laughs> if they have an interest. They get involved in the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. You can get involved by uh, by getting to know some of the people who, who are associated with them. <clears throat> you can get involved by coming to their events, meeting people, uh, volunteering uh, at those events, uh, whether it be the Memorial Weekend or something else. Uh, right. you, you can you can become an instructor in various areas, not just courage to be safe, but in other areas where they provide training to the fire service. Uh, you know, it, it, there's all kinds of ways at the entry level to those organizations that you can actually get involved in. And then if you want to move through that organization, of course, there's leadership positions as well that are mostly volunteer positions, unless you want to be an employee, uh, you know, or you can even come to serve on the board someday. And uh, so, so, so with that organization, if you've got an interest in that, it's different than CFSI because uh, with the NFFF, you don't have to come as a as a principal in some fire service organization. Got it. Mm -hmm. Kind of do that on your own. And then the third one, uh, which I highly recommend to people who are interested in getting started in the in the uh, at a, at a, in a in a broader role than the one they have at home, 
uh, all three of those, I mean, the, all three of those can provide those opportunities, but IFST is a good place to start. Uh, uh, there's not a firefighter I, I know, I don't think there's a firefighter I've ever met who has not had at one time or another an IFST manual in their hands. For sure. Yeah. Matter of fact, multiple, are, multiple. <laughs> multiple IFST manuals in their hands, okay? Those, those are developed through the, through the ISTA uh, association at their, at, their, uh, at their annual conferences and now uh, even online in between those conferences because it, it, the books get out so much faster nowadays. <clears throat> when I first started there, if you got a book out in five years, you were doing good. Now, now they get a book out in a year, two months, a year and a half, easily. So what, what version is Essentials on now, I wonder? Because I think uh, mine was seven. three or four. Yeah, they're yeah, working on eight, but seven's out right now. Seven, okay. I think uh, I was three or four. Eight will be out soon. Yeah. But, uh, but Essentials is just one. You know, look at that full oh, yeah. range of 30 manuals that, uh, that essentially are there to, to provide guidance to the, to the fire service. And, and one of the things that, that I love about IFSTA is, uh, and always have, is that as far as making money, uh, profits, as most people would call them, yep. IFSTA is a, is a nonprofit association. And the publisher for IFSTA is Fire Protection Publications out of Oklahoma State University. Right. They are the, they are the publisher. They uniquely are a nonprofit publisher. Okay. okay. So, so where most profits from, from booksellers go into someone's pocket, right? Yes. The, from the IFSTA manuals, those things that you would call profit that we call revenue are, are used to develop manuals that don't sell as well as the others, but are critical to people, you know? So they don't just make decisions on the amount of sales. They make decisions based on need of the fire service as well. Uh, they, they, they sponsor uh, uh, portions of events for various fire service organizations. They're one of the lead sponsors, in fact, of the Congressional Fire Services Institute, deeply involved in the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation, very much involved in other organizations as well. So they may sponsor a panel at a conference. They may sponsor a dinner or lunch or breakfast. The Metro Chiefs Association they're involved with. Right. So, so that's one of the things I love about them. Is it, is it, no, no one's putting that money in their pocket. The firefighters buy the manuals uh, and, the, and the money from those manuals, the revenue from those manuals goes back into the fire service. Uh, pretty great. I, I, I might have known that, but the way you explained it, just uh, it, they're reinvesting constantly in themselves. And in you, which is just as important, but they, so they, uh, the other thing that I love about them is I've written several books and you've written and I've written articles and chapters and lots of things. Okay. So have you probably, um, when I write something, uh, it's as good as gold. If it, it miss my opinion, I, I write it. 
someone edit, edits it sometimes, but not always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it goes in a book or it goes in a manual or it is published as a book, as a, as a book, a standalone book, maybe. Uh, no one has really scrutinized the contents of that material. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. But with EFSTA, those validation committees that we use uh, are subject matter experts. Anywhere from twelve to twenty of them on a committee. Oh no! What? Yeah. And they also then they they scrutinize the hell out of that material, and it needs to be safe. It needs to be of the highest quality, and it needs to be viewed as best practice, or it's not going to be in one of those manuals uh, because the, the subject matter experts won't allow that. They won't they won't validate the content of that book. So. Uh, so, that, so you can get on those committees by applying. All you got to do is watch and see which books are coming into cycle. And you can apply to be there. And there's a selection committee of the board that, that, uh, that makes those decisions. And, but that's a great way to get involved. That's a, that's a foot in the door. Uh, and, if you, and if you love it and, and, uh, and, and, and you, you and the organization are attracted enough to one another that you stay involved, because they're so connected to the rest of the fire service, you can imagine the other opportunities that leads to, you know, you, sure. may, you may represent IFSTA on community risk reduction. You may represent IFSTA at the CFSI. You may represent IFSTA with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation uh, with the summit that was just held by the United States Fire Administration. In other words, you may, there's no end to the opportunities that can provide you and give an opportunity for you to work with some of the most motivated people in the fire service. And those are the people I think that sit on those validation committees. <laughs> right. They give well, you know, I think, I, I think what you just explained um, for all the listeners and viewers, um, I hope it inspires them to do that because I don't think I've ever had that explanation about what and how IFSTA works and um, in my many years in the fire service. And so hearing that, I hope, Will inspire the someone listening to this to to take action and jump on board. I hope so too, because uh, you know I think uh, I I can't tell you the number of times people ask me how do I get involved in something. You know, how do I want to I want to expand myself beyond my fire department. How do I get involved at the at the national level? Uh, and there's no real secret to it. Is you find areas of interest that that you, uh, that, that, uh, that attract you. And then you work your ass off to do everything you can to benefit that organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you network and you, and, and, and sooner or later you will move through that organization. But if you don't apply, if you don't apply yourself to getting involved, you can't get involved. Got to take it. You have to take action. Those you guys I mentioned. Those guys I mentioned at the beginning of this. Yes. Uh, they they encouraged me all the time to get involved in things that eventually led to leadership positions, and so did lots of other people over the years. I mean, I just and at times encouraged me not to get involved, which was just as valuable to me. So yeah, knowing when to say when they kind of were guiding you, right? 
uh, or when to stay and say, uh, that's not for me. Mm. So they knew uh, you, they, they knew your relationship. They knew you. I could contribute more in another way than I could in that way. There's too many restrictions on you here. Uh, you don't need to get involved in that. You had a blessed, uh, a blessed, continue to have a blessed career and then a blessed post fire department career and making the broader fire service that much better. One of the things that I remember being in the fire service and you coming to speak in Southern Arizona, you talked a lot about this word, word called introspection. Kind of, kind of expound on what that's all about and why it's so important to you. As a trainer, I became uh, attracted to the, to, the, to the word introspection and what it really means, the ability to look inside yourself and ask yourself, does this pertain to me? Could this make me more effective or make the people around me more effective? Right. I got attracted to that as a trainer. And, uh, and where I really noticed it was in the late 70s uh, and early 80s when I was teaching uh, supervisory training and personnel management. And what I would find is that the students were so critical of their current supervisors when they were in class. When, they, when you had a discussion about leadership, they almost always drifted to talking about the, the problems with their current leaders. And once in a while, they'd talk about a, somebody that was, they thought was really a good leader and some of the traits and characteristics and skills they had. But honestly, the majority of the discussions that they would initiate had to do with, with issues with their current leaders. But remember, I taught in that program for 20 years. So 10 years after the late 70s and early 80s, I was still teaching in that program. Mm -hmm. In fact, 15 years after, I was still teaching in that program. And what hit me like a baseball bat between the eyes was that the students in the 1990s that were complaining about their current supervisors were complaining about the students who were there in the late 70s and early 80s who had become supervisors. Interesting. And, and from all their criticism, these people had the, were working for them now had the same concerns about them as they did before. And it made me wonder, and so I did some surveys and I found out that it was true, that they came to these classes more interested in validating their own views of their current supervisor than in improving themselves. So they're looking outward, not inward. Exactly. And, and leadership and supervisory training is useless if people aren't looking inside themselves when they take it. I mean, it, because it, 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 it's an internal thing. It pertains to you personally, you know? So, so introspection became the, to, to me, it still is to this day. I start every training session I do to this day with a discussion about introspection. Because if you can't do it, if you're not willing to do it, and I say it, you probably heard me say it down south, is that you're about to waste a few hours of your life with me. <laughs> right. 
is right. you're not going to get what I brought here to you. <laughs> so, so introspection causes you, I think, to evaluate yourself, not only while you're there in class, but more importantly, I think afterwards. And when you're out there doing what it is you say you want to do, you know, and, uh, and so, so I think it, that's why it's it, most important. It needs to be a habit is what you're saying. It needs to be a habit. If you want to be a leader, it needs to be you. Uh, if you want to be an exceptional leader, that, that people will view that way. It, and, and you want, and you take, read, you read, you take classes, you have good mentors, you, you, you develop yourself constantly with regards to dealing with people. If you do that, uh, then it is, it is introspection in and of itself that will help you be what they call a lifelong learner. Lifelong learner, right? Brunacini said, um, never stop learning from everyone. That's right. What? Uh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, what? Um, not to get into an introspection class or, in, or part of what you do when you come down and, and do training with, with uh, agencies, but what are some of the things that you ask or that you want them to start looking at when it comes to introspection? How do you facilitate that initial conversation when you start your training? What, what, what are the things that you ask? What are the things that you say? Kind of share, share with us some of that to, to get our introspective juices flowing. Well, it's not just what you do there in class. I actually develop my content around it. Okay. Okay. The the so the way I present things, I, I uh, in 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 depends too on the session. If it's a large group, of course you're kind of limited to what you can do interactively. But if it's a smaller group, uh, I try hard to get them involved. And as, and in a classroom style group, a lot of what I do is case studies, where we actually talk about situations that have occurred. I mean, I, I changed them around a little bit just in case someone's there who might have been involved in them. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but, but so I, I use different teaching methods uh, depending upon the group that I'm dealing with. But, but uh, I also am alert to what they say to me in class. In other words, how do, how do I, that's all good, Chief, but, but how do I deal with a boss that is... X, Y, and Z. Sure. You know, how do I change my boss? So they're sitting there that day. What this tells me, they're sitting there that day thinking about their boss and not themselves. <laughs> okay. So we have a discussion even more so that during that class. But, but, but bottom line, I have these basic tenets of leadership. And, and when we talk about those, they lead directly to introspection. Okay. And they're and they're basic, but they're also the three ways that leaders get themselves in most of the trouble they get themselves into. And I don't care what their level is in an organization. And this is just from 52 years of experience dealing with people who are responsible for inspiring, motivating, and leading other people. It's not an easy thing. It's not easy to do. Um, no, a lot of, lot of discipline, a lot of self-discipline, but um, 
the introspection always fascinated me that looking inward um, yeah. first and foremost, right? Yeah. So, so the first one is, is leading by example. In other words, is it, can you accept the fact that that is very, very difficult? But if you never even consider the importance of it, you're going to fail that test often. Well, and it's, because people will watch you, what you're saying versus what you're doing as you, you know, the lead by example, what you say versus what you do. And I think the fire service is, I think, one of the last noble professions out there. And even what you do, no one's watching. You don't think anyone's watching the little things. You're still representing your agency. You're still, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, it's, it's hard and it's a big deal, but it's, it's always going to be those little things. And you're always going to be as a leader in the community, whether you're a fire chief down to firefighter, you're still um, looked at as a as somewhat of a pillar in the community. And so same concept for setting, you know, leading by example that you just said, right? One of the three things that, that you, you're going to go into um, that lead by example, give some, give some more, um, maybe some anecdotes about where it was, where you've seen great examples or where you've seen epic fails. Uh, let me get the other two first, okay? And of we'll course. Come back to that because they kind of intertwine. Sure, sure, of course. But you can't do one without the other kind of thing. Okay. But, but the second one is, is you don't lie to people, and you don't steal from people, and you uh, and you don't talk behind people's backs in your organization. You can't yeah. do those things because building mutual respect and mutual trust. With, with the group that you are claiming to be the leader of uh, is essential to your success. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't lie to people and expect them to respect you. You can't take credit, steal credit for what other people do or, other, or ideas other people had. And then you end up taking this, uh, all the credit for that. You can't do that. <laughs> you just can't do no. that. No, you can't. You're, you have to. And people always know. People always know. So you can't lie. You can't steal. And you can't talk behind other people's backs. And what I mean by that is that you're in an organization where, 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 where what you say as a leader uh, is viewed sometimes as uh, powerful information. That there's a there's a premium on knowing what the boss really thinks. You know, it makes you feel powerful, and, and it makes it makes other people see you as informed. You know, mm -hmm. and when and when you get caught doing that, uh, you lose the people you're trying to lead. You simply can't do that anymore if you accept a position of leadership in an organization. So, so leading by example, creating an atmosphere of mutual trust and mutual respect, not lying to people or, or stealing from them or talking behind their backs in a way that's demeaning to them. You know? Yeah. You, you just... And you also, the last one is you can't have a lousy attitude. Because it's awful hard for you to inspire and encourage others when when you uh, when your attitude does not set 
the stage for the way you hope other people behave and perform. So those aren't complicated. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, they're, they're very easy to, to say and understand, hard to execute consistently. Hard. You got to think about them. And that's the point of the introspective conversation is you've got to be willing to, to look inside yourself. And when you do something that's, that's d- detrimental to your ability to do your job, uh, and sometimes detrimental to your ability to keep your job, then you've got to be willing to, to figure out ways for you to do better with that. You know, and, and, and those tenets lead to discussions about introspection. Those tenets do, you know, because you don't see those things in yourself unless someone talks to you about them. Yeah, they point them out to you and, and causes you to have hopefully a bit of an epiphany sometimes on your your behavior that you're looking at the, what, the the splinter in someone else's eye when you have a plank in your own. And, you, and, you, uh, and you're willing to look at situations you dealt with and handled that ended up really good really good and you can ask yourself why what did i do that contributed to that and you hopefully can look at some of the situations you dealt with that didn't turn out so hot and ask yourself those same questions it's how did i possibly contribute to that outcome and so introspection isn't something you do one time it's the essence of a leader's development is it, how are you in these various aspects of leadership, these various skills, traits, characteristics that people talk about all the time and write about all the time? Where are you? You know, and, that, and, and that's why introspection has meant so much to me. Is, is it, I don't think you can learn about leadership in a book. I think you can learn what leadership entails in a book. Right. But then I think you have to study the, that in action. In other words, you have to study it in action with yourself and with others to really get what was in that book <laughs> and to make it come to life for you. That's a lot. To, that's a lot to think about as far as being honest with yourself in all of this. But I'll tell you, it's a, it, the, the people I know who do it well, and there are tons of them, okay, uh, they, uh, they're, they're much more satisfied with leadership positions than the people I know who don't do it well and find themselves responsible for leading people who don't always follow them. Yeah, well, and going back to legacy, other people write your own, write your legacy and how well you're how well you apply introspection is going to contribute to that legacy and you have no control over that. Well, you know, like you said, someone else writes that legacy, but you have a control over your actions if you're introspective. So one could argue that those that don't apply the concepts of introspection that you just talked about may not have the finest of legacies. Well, your legacy might not be what you thought it was. Ah, well, uh, true. Or you wished it was. Right. Uh, you know, something I've done that really is fun, and it's uh, and it's also, inc- I've had students tell me this many times. 
it also gets that point of, of introspection. It brings it home a little bit. Uh, I started using it with recruit classes uh, uh, when I was the chief of training and continued that clear through uh, the time I was a fire chief. So for years and years, you know, but, but I always saw the recruits there uh, the day before they graduated. We were in a classroom setting, even when I was a fire chief. Right. Uh, and I would, I would, we would talk about the, the fact that the, 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 the long-term employment is a very good thing for in the overall scheme of things. But long-term employment comes with its own challenges for a person, you know? And, and so I have them write for me a paragraph that you would like to have read about you at your retirement party. Mm. In other words, at your retirement gathering, I want you to write for me what you would like for someone to say about you and your career in the fire service 30 years from now. And we take the time for them to do it. And then, uh, and then I collect them and we go over every one of them. And what we talk about mostly is what would you have to do between now and your retirement date to cause someone to say that about you? Powerful exercise. It is. You know, it's what would you have to, how would you have to behave and perform for someone to say that about you 30 years later? And, uh, and, we, and, and what that creates is introspection. <laughs> and the, and to see really what that, where that legacy really comes from. In other words, you know, legacy isn't something you worry about your last five years of your career or, or, or 10 years or you build a legacy. I remember being told when I came on the fire department that, you, that, that, that your reputation is going to precede you no matter where you go. And you need to understand that. Sure. From the very beginning. From the very beginning, yes. And it's true. I mean, you, you think about yourself, yes. Think about others who you meet and encounter through your career. That if you, you've heard something about them, right? There, you've heard something good or not so good about them. Well, you think about people who want to have successful careers. Uh, a recruit gets assigned to Station 7 out of the academy. Station Seven's already heard about that recruit. They've probably, the captains probably called a few people to talk to them about that recruit before they even come to the station that day. Okay. You want to promote to, to captain. And uh, I mean, they didn't send you there from Siberia to that interview. I mean, you people know you. People know you, yeah. <laughs> they know yeah. you. They know your reputation. They know you. Uh, and that could be a very powerful thing in your favor. Okay. A battalion chief sees him. You, you apply to be a fire chief from one community to another. That community knows your reputation before you ever get there. In fact, if that, if that community is, has any wherewithal at all, they know about you when you applied. They looked at the list of finalists. They know about you. 
your reputation precedes you with that fire department. So you can't just think about, you know, when I become a fire chief, I'm going to do this differently. You may never be a fire chief because of the way you've done it in the past. And that's introspection. <laughs> See what I mean when I said that? Yeah, that, that, that 100%, 100%. All connected. 100%. Wow. Well, that gives, that gives, uh, gives us a lot to think about, um, Chief Compton, a lot. And I think, I hope people go back and, you know, even rewind and listen to some of the things that you said, because a lot of what you say is deceptively easy. Like Brunacini's, a lot of the things he says, essentials of fire department, customer service, what you've just talked about with introspection, it's, it's, it sounds deceptively easy. Oh, how hard that, that doesn't sound hard. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. You know, but don't staying consistent. Yeah, don't talk behind people's backs. It's that's lead by example. Mm-hmm. The lead Love by example. Mutual respect, respect, mutual trust. Maintain your own attitude before you start talking to others about theirs. To be intentional about it, you have to be intentional day in and day out with it. That's and that's part of that introspection is being intentional about it. You make this yourself. No, that becomes the you, and uh, mm-hmm. and when and when you fall short, you know that. Oh yeah, and you take oh, yeah. care of it somehow, you know. And when you don't fall short, when you have a good day, which most of them are, you, at the end of the day, you congratulate yourself for all yeah. the goofy things you didn't do. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, as we as we close? Let me ask, what. Um... What other words of wisdom do you have? I mean, you've left us a lot already, but any anything else that you're thinking about that we've talked about that I might not have asked you that you'd like to share before we close? You know, uh, I think another guiding principle for me, uh, and I try to keep my guiding principles simple, okay? If it feels good at work, don't do it. If it feels good at work, don't do it. Okay, expound on that. Well, the way that most people take that initially uh, has to do with uh, uh, something sexual. Okay. And it it could be. I didn't think of that. that. It could be that. But that's not say that. But that's not the way I intended it. I didn't, I didn't even think of that, to be honest. And that's, yeah. Um, a lot of people do. Okay. So if it feels good at work, don't, don't do, it. do it. Well, so if I'm, you do the thing that you and I were just talking about, you can lose your job over it. For sure. So don't do it. Okay. If you, if you, if it would really feel good to you to do something to somebody, knows especially somebody that you are unhappy with. Okay. There we it, go. It would really feel good. Uh, don't do it. Because if you do, the issue is no longer going to be them. It's no, it's honestly, it's no, no longer going to be what they did. It's going to be you. The way you reacted to it and the way you handled it. You and it your reaction. And it doesn't matter what it is. You know, if you get aggravated with a city manager, you're the fire chief. And it would really feel good for you to go tell that person that you would go run the fire department. You don't need their help to do it. 
You don't want to do that. Don't do that. That will feel very good coming out. It won't feel good when someone shoves it back down your throat. Right. Okay. And it's a good thing to keep in mind because we all get that way. You know, we're, uh, you know, as, as a as a as a as a young supervisor, you have someone on your crew who's constantly challenging you. And it would really feel good for you to put them in their place right in front of everybody. Right? Sure. Yeah. Don't, Don't do, do it. it. Don't no. do it. You're going to come off as a bully, probably. And it's not going to have the result you wanted it to have. Praise in public, chastise in private. That's it. But, but, but you know, I used to play bas- a lot of basketball in my life, you know, even as an adult in different levels and leagues. Uh, and and I, I had a coach one time who, uh, if you made a mistake, he took you out of the game and made you sit for two minutes. So if you threw a pass away or, or traveled or double dribbled or took a shot he didn't like, uh, he took you out of the game. So after a while of that, what do you think was on our minds while we were playing? Don't make the mistakes. Don't make a mistake. Don't make it. So what we ended up seeing, and it happened, was telegraphing passes, uh, slow moves to slow or slow down moves on the floor. Uh, too much intent to where not only did you think about it for two seconds, but you gave the defender a chance to think about it for two seconds. And every time you go up for a shot, it's, God, is he going to like this one? Instead of not thinking about anything except what you're doing. Mm. And he took a championship team the previous year and turned it into a 500 team under him. So negative reinforcement. In front of other people, a whole, a whole auditorium full of people. Embarrassment. Morale crush, morale crushing. For all of us. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it didn't have anything to do with the, with the players on the team and their talent and their skill and their desire. It had to do with this thing that made him feel good. And that was mm. control. That was control. That's humiliating. It's, it, it's, a, it's not a, it's a humiliation of others. It is. It is. And that guy was a one-year coach. It one and done. One and done. Because, because he, under him, uh, the organization didn't improve. The team didn't improve. In fact, it's the opposite. And he was the leader. He was supposed to get the best he could out of each individual to form an effective team. That was what his job was. Yeah. Just like that's what our job is. And those people aren't the same. They're different than each other. On some days, really strong people aren't going to be so strong. And you have to deal with that. And you have to deal with people who kind of fall off the side and, uh, and are having consistent issues. Yeah. You got to deal with all that. But, uh, but if it feels good, you shouldn't do it. I'm telling you, it, it worked because uh, that often 
often comes back to bite you. Indeed. Indeed. Good advice. Wow. This has been uh, an illuminating and interesting engrossing conversation, uh, Chief Compton. I, I'm grateful to you for sharing all of this with us. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Just some thoughts for consideration is all it really is. I, I, uh, I hope. Yeah, uh, but sure it's big, I, go ahead. Big deal. It's big deal thoughts. It's, it's, it's things that are life impacting if you really take them to heart. Well, I've been fortunate. You know, I've, I've, I've had success in my career and I've had to deal with challenges in my career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like everyone else. And I, I think that the thing that, that makes you, or at least help me get through the challenges is the ability to learn from them and then get rid of them. In other words, don't carry them around. Learn from them and go on. Move on. Can't go back and change them anyway. Uh, there's going to be more. <laughs> so, so just kind of keep your head straight. And uh, and what I mean by that is, is, is don't pack it full of crap that doesn't need to be in there. But, yeah, good advice. But I've good enjoyed advice. being here with you today very much. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, and I hope the people who are able to view this uh, get something out of it. They absolutely will. I certainly did. Um, stay on after the recording stop. I just got a question, a personal question for you. But uh, just thank you very much. Thank you for your consistent leadership over the years. Um, yeah, just grateful. Just very grateful to you, Chief Compton. Thank you. Thank you, sir.